listening to Not Good Enough, an inadequate response to inadequate responses. I'm extremely hungover and Mitch Alexander. <laughs> I'm recently vaccinated and having the side effects, Tom McLean. <laughs> I'm feeling surprisingly good for a Sunday morning, Tom Lane. <laughs> <laughs> and as always, we've got Isaac in our headphones, fact-checking and something else funny. I'm very hungover. <laughs> <laughs> Mitch, you got to stop leaning on that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> it's all I've got. <laughs> Don't make him come up with new material in the spot, Lang. He's very hungover. Yeah, haven't you heard? Man, this new gas plant's almost as bad as my hangover. Am I right, guys? <laughs> I'm doing relatable material now, Lang. That's the whole point. Our target audience is hungover. <laughs> if you're hungover, get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. <laughs> Just send us a snarky email, just a tired mid-morning, bad sound on this episode, send. And then later in the RV, you're like, I feel bad, I'm sorry, send another email. I had the volume on my phone too loud when I was listening to the podcast, it gave me a headache. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, As a tangent, one time I remember I was reviewing for a publication, uh, like, crusty black metal band, you know, the deliberately bad trash sound of black metal. And I got three quarters of the way through the album before I realised my headphones were halfway out. And I didn't notice. It was just like, man, they've really gone for this lo-fi sound quality. That's the exact inverse of the first time that I listened to My Bloody Valentine, where I was just like, man, I must have got a shit torrent of this one. Oh, well, it's still pretty good. (laughs) Many years later, I was like, oh, no, they pioneered that terrible sound. (laughs) True visionary. (laughs) But they should have been audiaries, am I right? That's why they sound so bad. (laughs) Oh, uh, yeah, it's one of these apps. <laughs> Mitch is like, don't throw that kind of joke at me. I'm hungover. We know. <laughs> it's because I was at the Rahu first birthday. Hey. Really expecting one of you guys to come to the party and ask me why I was hungover, but that's fine. <laughs> I was at the party. So was Lang. We were at the Renters and Housing Union first birthday because the union's been around for a year and it was really nice. And all I want to say is if you're not in Rahu and you're a renter, well, what are you doing? Join Rahu. Mm-hmm. So, I'm done for the day. I've got a hangover, guys. So, I'm going <laughs> to chill out the rest out early. of the Sorry, everyone. Workers' rights. Bye. <laughs> yep. There were, there were good people. There was there was good food. And my favorite thing, which was stats, because I was I was impressed. They, they hey, Lang. Like- Lang, this, this is embargo info, so we can, you're going to have to- uh, uh, Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> there was good food, and that's what Lang cares good about. Good food and nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> Lang, you've been away for a couple of weeks and I've missed your dulcet tones. Uh, where have you been? What have you been doing? And why have you left us in the dust? I was on a road trip with my dad. Quite literally in the dust. The red dust desert of the road highway. But no, no I, was on a, I was on a road trip <laughs> with my dad that coupled as uh, like professional development because we went to the Renewables and Agriculture Conference up in New South Wales. Oh, fuck, did I miss it? Yeah, sorry, Mitch. Fuck. Oh, God. I need to start putting <laughs> it out of my calendar. I was yeah. too busy at Rahu and Gabs and Melbourne in general. Shit. Yeah, having good coffee <laughs> while I'm out there, having, like, roadhouse coffee. Um, I had so many roadhouse coffees. <laughs> so, what was it? It's the Renewables and Agriculture Conference. It was a it was a one-and-a-bit-day kind of thing for exactly what it sounds like, people who are into agriculture or renewables um, and- and my dad was there because he's into bioenergy and I'm there because, you know, I'm me and I'm into all this stuff that <laughs> I talk about on the pod. Um, but it's quite funny because it's conference, so you're always introducing people uh, and, and he'd be like, hi, I'm Andrew Lang. And I'd be like, hi, I'm Tom Lang. I'm his son, but I'm also here, like, not just as his son. Uh, <laughs> I'd be here I'm anyway. A professional as well. <laughs> But yeah, it's like bring your son to oh, work. Oh, it day. was. It's pretty but, weird. But you're an adult. Mm-hmm. <laughs> bring your adult son to the conference day. <laughs> <laughs> He's got his games on his iPad. He'll be okay. Yeah, colouring book. <laughs> when you say it was a conference for people in agriculture, were there just like agriculture fans there as well? Like people in the business and then like, you know, people with farms and whatnot. And then just people fucking super into agriculture. Like people that play farm simulator. Yeah, like bringing PAX energy to the, yeah. the, the agriculture conference. People cosplaying as John yeah. attractors. <laughs> you can go there, get some fan art, get some merch. I brought home a, a big stick of cotton 
um, which is is pretty cool. That's the only real souvenir I got. I got I got I got a little bit of merch, but mostly just a big the, stick of the, cotton. The, the Jamland uh, Live D and D podcast did a, a, a live episode. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Angus Taylor's DMing style is just incredible. You can switch it up so much. You are hit for ten thousand HP. They're like, what? But the dice doesn't go. He's like, I said you were hit for ten thousand. Look, if you want to investigate <laughs> yeah. it, but. I'm just saying it's not worth your time. Yeah, I was going to say, the, the Liberal Party is definitely a big, like, forever DM vibe. Yeah. Like, no, 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 I just make the rules up as we go. Trust me. It, this is how this works Show best. us behind the screen. <laughs> what? What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I don't fudge my roles. I, I actually find the imputation horrible. The Liberal Party only play diceless RPGs. That's exactly their style. <laughs> we it. are so off track. I'm sorry, Lang. That's okay. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> tell us about the actual conference Climate instead stuff. of the ridiculous hypothetical conference that we're uh-huh. suddenly organising. Oh, look, uh, I don't actually think most of the stuff at the conference is of great interest to the listeners of the podcast, um, unless you're into... Let the listeners be the judge. Okay. 45 minutes on the ins and outs of... <laughs> of converting pig manure into methane to fuel Ooh. your piggeries. Or, you know, <laughs> getting a, a solar-powered <laughs> pump uh, instead of a diesel pump because you're off-grid, but you still got to irrigate that cotton. It's stuff like that. You do. Yeah. I'm just thinking about the last two, like, big comedy specials that I really liked or comedians I saw was um, Nick Kappa and his, like, agriculture-based That's comedy. how I know the term and John then- Deere. Is from- <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, you guys are so city. But also Josh Ludgrove doing a whole show as a bilge pump salesman. Oh, yeah. like, Lang, we're, 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 on, we're right on the fucking... Cutting edge of comedy. Like, I know you guys think that an ag- a renewables and agriculture conference sounds like it's going to be hilarious. Trust me, I don't have a ton of material here. Let's move on. <laughs> well, if we're not talking about the conference, Sorry, then what's Sorry, news in, in energy and agriculture? So, I'm back in Victoria now. I've been storing up all my climate news. Um, you guys probably heard that the International Energy Agency dropped a fresh new report. Um, I did. It was fire. It's fire. Um, They said, and and actually, you you probably may have heard of it because it was kind of a big deal because the International Energy Agency said, hey, maybe we should stop with the fossil fuels because of like life (laughs) on the planet. They, you know, they crunched the numbers and they went, fossil fuels bad. And that seems like obvious because we've been paying attention at any point in the last 30 years, but... <laughs> it's really got an energy of like, they crunch the numbers and we're like, hold on a second, Earth orbits the sun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've got this topsy-turvy. <laughs> yeah. Fucking idiots. Um, but the International Energy Agency is not like some hippie enviro-renewables thing. This is like a, a, a sub-part of like the OECD, I think. They've historically been extremely chummy with like fossil fuel producing companies and have been underestimating how important renewables are, overestimating how useful fossil fuels are. And the fact they've dropped this report that is basically like no new oil and gas fields, no new coal mines or mine extensions if the world is going to hit net zero by 2050. Like they're like coal use has to drop 90%, gas has to drop 55%, oil has to drop 75% by 2050 and and... I think they should all drop 100%. But the point being that this is like a big capitalist kind of trade organization that is so conservative. Yeah, I mean, they recently so. appointed Matthias Cormann as the chairman, as the secretary of the OECD. Oh, they fucking appointed him. <laughs> an outright climate denialist. Yeah. He's part of the Morrison government. It's genuinely surprising <laughs> that, that a subgroup of the OECD is putting out something that is like... <laughs> Choose life. But if you have literally <laughs> anyone checking your numbers, this is the... Oh, you can't hide this shit anymore. You can't pretend that there is another option. Um, and that's why every fossil fuel company, if you go on their website, which you shouldn't, um, like Shell and Exxon <laughs> all say, yeah, climate change is real and we've got to fix it and it's a big problem. Because you can't not. It's undeniable. Um, mm. And so on the yeah. same day they dropped this report... Um, the Australian Commonwealth Government committed to building a new $600 million gas power plant, baby. Yes. <laughs> that's going to, f- uh, that's a that's a green technology, I've been told, and what's going to help us transition, yeah. I've been told. Yeah, it's it could- clean gas, though, right, Lang? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> On my end, your call just dropped. <laughs> just, <laughs> ah, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just profanity too extreme for Discord to to carry. (laughs) (laughs) Because unlike the IEA, no one's checking their numbers and they don't care. 
Like, mm. <laughs> and, and yeah, they are probably using renewable or green energy funds because Angus fucking Taylor has has perverted the Australian renewable funding um, bodies to being able to fund um, fossil gas and shit like this. Yeah, that just that just passed properly in the last week or so. Yeah, it was proper. Like it's it's come through now. It's official that you can totally use that green energy mm. funds from all different parts. So just properly use it on gas. It's yeah, fine. just do go whatever. It's just money. And so so basically, <laughs> the, the go with this plant is it's a it's a big fucking gas power plant. Um, it's 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 not a very complicated thing. They're saying this is because we're getting rid of an older power plant, the little power plant, L I D D E L, maybe a second oh, yeah. L. Um. Liddell, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Um, and they're like, oh, no, we're getting rid of some dirty power. We're going to have to replace that with other dirty power. And everyone's like, why not replace <laughs> it with clean power? And they're like, Mm-mm, I don't think so. Huh? No, no, dirty power is clean power. <laughs> the official line of the Morrison government. And and they originally said, oh, we're going to build this plant like fully with taxpayer money if the market doesn't deliver what consumers need. Um, and now they've oh, this was they've this just one. gone straight yeah. through to, fuck it, we're, we're building it anyway. Even though the the AEMO, the Australian Energy Market Operator, the Energy Security Board, every agency that knows anything and actually does these numbers says, that's dumb, there's no reason we need this. Um, they all, everybody says we don't need this thing and they are steaming ahead. And it's insane because this isn't a power plant that is going to be used. Like other oh. gas power plants, but pardon What's other more? gas. So gas power plants in this part of like the Australian grid are mostly there for backup. Like this power plant is going to be a backup. What you call like a a peaker plant. Um, it's to fill in those little hypothetical periods where maybe you don't have enough wind or solar, or maybe your coal mine has caught fire, or or whatever. Um, and they theorize that this power plant will be used at about 2% capacity, maybe 150 hours a year. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's about as much as <laughs> I want. <laughs> um, because that's what other power plants of this, like the currently existing ones are only running this much. So this is not even, it's not even something we need. And this is a bright spark is that it probably won't burn that much gas. Um, but it will yeah, still it, burn it more gas. It sounds like more than burning fossil fuels, the government's just burning $600 million. Pretty much. Um, it will still burn, like, more gas than we'd like, because even if you're just not running it and idling it, you still got to burn a little bit. You know, half, 150 hours of gas is, is more than we'd like. Um, but, yeah, so this is definitely partly, I think they're just doing it out of spite. Um, they're doing it to give money to their mates. Um, they're... It's all hooked in with Santos and and stuff like that. You know, the guy who owns the site they want to build it on is a Liberal Party donor who only bought the site in January. So, that's a bit funny, but whatever. Um, It's Jeff (laughs) McCloy, who has called himself previously a walking ATM um, for the the government. Yeah. Oh, he was also at least be clandestine about it, for God's sake. Actually, this guy they're buying it from is also the only stakeholder who objected to when uh, the state government was saying they should protect koalas from development. Uh, oh, <laughs> he cool. was like, nah, fuck them. Don't uh, But also the idea, like, he's, he's an ATM. He's not dispensing his own money. They're getting their own money back out of him. Like, he's just giving the game away that it's just a circle of bullshit that's happening. Yeah, I mean, it really is separate. like, oh, we'll give you $600 million. And he's like, thank you very much. Here's a $50,000 donation to the Liberal Party. And they're like, neat system. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, and the the thing I only discovered recently that is this, the craziest is they're building this in a place that doesn't even have a gas connection. This fucking <laughs> gas power plant is going to run on diesel for the first six months before they can build a gas line there. <laughs> what the fuck? It's not a gas no. power plant then. It's a diesel. <laughs> Which is dirtier than gas. Um, and knowing this fucking government, Fuck they dead. might never build the gas line. They might just run it on diesel forever. Holy <laughs> shit. I mean, while the other countries in the OECD are starting to get towards net zero, Australia's got a lot of fucking, you know, difference to make up. Yeah. Like, oh, shit, they're slowing down on burning carbon fuels. Quick. <laughs> build a diesel power plant. Hurry. We're a little bit mighty. We've got the Anzac spirit. We will burn this planet ourselves. 
just a thing as well of like situating this globally. Um, it's just recently come out as well. There's the G7 countries, the world's seven largest advanced economies have agreed to stop international financing of coal projects that emit carbon by the end of the mm. year and phase out such support for all fossil fuels to meet globally agreed climate change targets from the ABC. So while the rest of the world is to more or less a degree at least paying lip service to the idea of like, let's, let's, uh, hey, no. come on, let's guys, it's time life. to band together and start to phase this stuff out. We should have done it 20 years ago, but hey, let's get the ball rolling. And this fucking bumpkin government of ours is just like, gas, baby, <laughs> but on diesel. Woo! What the fuck are you talking Australia about? absolutely has small dog energy. It does. <laughs> It's it's really quite imp- I I there's a whole bunch of emotions that I feel with it but hearing about the G7 and like the European Union all just going like nah we're done with coal. I feel among other things embarrassed to be an Australian. Mm-hmm. It's like it, in everything we used to be good in some ways and bad in others and we're just very quickly heading towards bad in every mm-hmm. way. Just internationally speaking, we are just the worst, the most cringe losers, fucking idiots on the international stage. It's just, oh. I think think if you're not embarrassed to be an Australian, you need to ask yourself why not. (laughs) Because it's the greatest nation on earth, mate. Fucking tell you what. Like, we're not even as good at at blind jingoism as America. (laughs) Yeah, we're not. We're so lazy with it. Okay. It's- uh, (laughs) I guess we we had Paul Hogan. That's them them trying to bloody start a war with China. So, they're like, no, we got it. We had a war. We lost a war. We got to Vietnam. We got fucked up by China in 2021. It was awesome. (laughs) And anyway, so, the the government is doing all this fully dumb shit. That's- That's- so easy, so easy to criticise. Um, and if we had an opposition party, this would be a great time for them to step in. Mm. But Labor is finding it hilariously difficult to criticise because they can't say the word climate or renewables or anything because that would be a policy position that they could suddenly be pointed at. <laughs> because they are a climate denialist party. Yeah. And so you've got, you've got Chris Bowen, the Labor climate change minister, having to do this convoluted thing where he's like, Labor supports an ongoing role for gas in firming and peaking electricity supply, but gas projects that stack up will be funded by the private sector, not taxpayers. <laughs> so the Labor stance here is, ah, oh, maybe we can get a better deal on this one. We want this gas plant. Maybe the market yeah, can do it. Yeah, we want this gas plant, absolutely. Just, uh, maybe someone else can pay for a bunch of it. The Labor Party is saying, we want this gas plant, but in no way do we want to benefit from it as a government. We don't want to nationalise it and make sure we've, we yeah. create jobs for it. We want it privatised. Because that's what the Labor Party stand for, is a private industry's fucking workers yeah. over and not paying taxes as well. Fuck yeah, Labor. That's a good <laughs> reason to vote for you, I guess. Right. Hell yeah. Labor is united in its demand that this diesel power plant be built for one of our donors. <laughs> well, Labor has found themselves backed into the corner because of their insane whatever that they're saying the coalition is building too much national infrastructure. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, so good. Oh, oh, just this is the problem when you don't take a position. Like you've got to keep all your stories straight all the time. So I was like, well, we can't be, we can't say this, but then we also can't say this. So we've got to try and thread the needle. And the the more you do it, the more you get caught in these fucking just loops. Of just labor support and ongoing, and we just we need it, but we don't want it for base load. We want it for peak electricity, and we we don't, we don't want it for the free market. But we also don't want it for the government. Blah blah blah. It's like if you just took a stand, it'd be real easy for you to just keep taking that stand. Mm. Fuck, maybe maybe they don't realize that like. Once you take a position, you are allowed to just stay with it. Like you don't have to change because I keep seeing the Liberal Party change their position all the time. Mm. That like they don't, they have forgotten fundamentally that you can be principled in politics <laughs> and you can just stick to a. We thing. can't say that climate change is real because if we hold that position, we're going to have to backflip on it to be to be like the Liberal Party. <laughs> like within weeks, we're going to have to say climate's not real. So yep. we just like let's just stay out of the whole thing, and we'll be okay. Because then Joel Fitzgibbon will pick on us. 
<laughs> fucking Labour Party needs to grow a fucking spine. So do the people that vote for them happily. Mm. This idea that it's just like running Celeste Little is a bad thing. And then they've still got fucking Joel Fitzgibbon in their party. And all we get is like furrowed brows from people like Jed Kearney mm. being like, hey, tell you what, in the caucus, Fitzy doesn't get a lot mm. of love. It's like, all right. Joel- I don't give a yeah. shit. Do actually <laughs> anything, though. Don't tell me about how you don't like him. Get rid of him. Joel Fitzgibbon loves this, by the way. We can't speak up about climate because if we do, then Joel Fitzgibbon will go on Sky News and tell everyone that the Labour Party's a bunch of bullshit. It's like, oh, so why doesn't Jed Kearney speak in favour of climate action or, like, refugees? Oh, no, she's bound by the caucus. Like, <laughs> yeah. But Fitzgibbon isn't. <laughs> what are you- no, he is. Oh, but he fucking goes rogue all the time. You just can. Ah, is it, is it rogue, though? Or is he just, you know, is he the only person actually saying the positions Ooh. that they hold? Really make you think. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. The reason that Jed Candy doesn't go on, on TV to say climate change isn't real is because she would immediately lose the electorate of Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Um, laughing so much because I'm depressed and hungover. You hungover, Mitch. So, all right. Hypothetically, say Australia did uh, follow what every living being on the earth wants and um, try to build some renewables um, or, or let the free market do it or, or, you know, fucking try it all. What would probably happen <laughs> would be that Keith Pitt, Minister for Resources, would veto it um, because that's what's happened. Uh, they, <laughs> We were trying to build a fucking giant wind and battery power hub near Cairns. Okay, and this was this was partly built by a, a private company and then with some assistant like funding from the government. This was approved by government agencies. It was approved by the Northern Australian Infrastructure Facility. It was all good to go. And then Keith Pitt fucking stepped in and was just like, nah, nah, that's not happening. Not on my watch. Um, and Keith Pitt, I love, is the resources. He's the Minister for Resources, Water and Northern Australia. <laughs> That's not a typo. <laughs> not in Northern Australia. Resources, Water and Northern Australia, which I think is just code for coal. Yeah. what Because that's, that's like across three different states. And he's, he's, I'm assuming he has an electorate in the northern part of the country, but he's across different states as well. What is, is it? He's the minister for like seeing constantly that it's 41 with lightning storms yeah. when you watch the like <laughs> nightly news. <laughs> Maybe he's minister for crocodiles. I don't know. Yeah. He's Bob Catter's main rival. I don't Minister for everywhere. You can't get a decent coffee. <laughs> um, and so his excuse for this, his excuse for saying, okay, this 157 megawatt wind farm with a hundred megawatt hour battery cannot happen on my watch was that this was uh, inconsistent with the policies and objectives of the Commonwealth government, which, you know, is fair because they want us all to true. Um, And he believes (laughs) it will not provide new reliable dispatchable power. Um, Now, Hmm. if you're not sure what dispatchable power means, that's the thing that um, conservative governments have come up with to hate on renewables because a dispatchable power is something that you can turn on and get power whenever you want it, whereas a lot of renewables make power when the conditions are right. So, like, wind and solar... They make power all day or when it's when it's windy, but you can't just turn it on in the middle of the night when you need some. Now, okay. It's got Morrison's yeah. favourite line, the, the wind doesn't always blow and yeah. the sun doesn't always shine. And you've got to have base load power, which is another thing that yeah. has kind of been... That's the one yeah. I've heard a lot of. So, so, yeah, look, fair enough. You do always need a bit of power. If only there was a way to store this renewable power in some kind of uh, a series oh, well. of cells, a battery, if you will... Um, so that you could send out or dispatch it at any time. Um, mm. But unfortunately, a battery storage power station is not dispatchable <laughs> enough for old Keith Pitt. <laughs> and there's a fantastic interview with some guy on Sky News where he just will not admit that batteries exist. It's fantastic. <laughs> Actually, I'm tempted to just watch it again right now so I can remember yeah, what let's he watch said. It again. It's like a minute and a half. So can you tell me, though, what size, for 157 megawatt wind farm, what size battery do you need to make it dispatchable? Uh, well, Tom, what I can tell you is that intermittent wind and solar... Is that's a not, basic question. ...is not dispatchable. 
but it is with a battery if it's big enough. Uh, well, I've made a decision based on what we've yeah, Hang on, but that's just a basic question. I know you've got an engineering background. Hmm. Solar or wind is not dispatchable unless it has a battery. That's true, right? Depending on the size of the battery. Oh, well, unless it's got other sources. It could be hybrid, it could be gas, it could be uh, tied up with a hydro, it could be pumped hydro. There's any number could of be combinations. Battery. could be diesel. could be battery. Uh, it could be any number of things. But it could be a battery. <laughs> Tom, as I've said many times. Well, yeah, I just don't understand why you won't agree that it could be that a battery can back up a wind farm. Uh, well, as I've said, it comes down to a whole pile of decisions, including uh, capacity, availability, But I'm not going to that. I'm just asking, can a battery back up a wind farm? Uh, well, once again, how, how big is it? How long does it run for? What does right. it you want it to do? Well, a big enough battery, can it back up a wind farm? Well, this is pretty broad and hypothetical, Tom. <laughs> well, it just seems like a simple question. If a battery's big enough, it can back up a wind farm, right? Mm -hmm. How big's big enough? Well, I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> That's the exact question. Okay. Oh, All right. We'll move on. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> it's rules. And this is not John Clark. This is an actual <laughs> minister. I do love it. Whenever they get the fucking, whenever someone in a like niche portfolio has to be brought out on the like on the national front and face national media, and we get to see just the type of fucking like real profoundly dim stupidity on display in some of these ministers. Like, the, fr the front runners, Scott Morrison, Peter Dutton, they're very wily creatures that are very, like, politically cunning and whatnot. But there are so many people that just skate in the background, and then occasionally they've got to go on Sky <laughs> News, and they have no idea how to handle it without looking like complete fucking idiots. It's amazing. I honestly don't think Scott Morrison is much more wily than this. He does look like a complete fucking idiot on national TV every second day. Like, if anyone yeah, asked him these he's, questions, but he's he'd wily say enough to get through shit. it. Nah, but he's, but he's better than that at getting Man. through it. That's the That's thing. That's the thing. Like, Keith Pith. Keith Pith. <laughs> Keith Pith <laughs> did get through it. Like, he yeah. didn't lose his ministry over this. He's still in charge of making the oh, decisions God, no. about which gas projects get $600 million, etc. Like, th yeah. this, this is not him fucking up. This is the government tactic, which is just lie through your teeth, evade questions that are inconvenient to you. You will keep your job. You will be protected. And we mm. will continue yeah. to roll out fossil fuels. Like... This is an embarrassing interview for Keith Pitt. It doesn't cost him anything. Like, oh, why God, would no. he try no. when he simply doesn't have to? Yeah, no, 100%. I just, I'm just saying there's better liars in the Liberal Party than Keith yeah, Pitt. That's true. Sure. Come on, mate. <laughs> lift your game. Um, I think to be a good liar, you've got to actually give a shit, partly. Um, but I, I just... <laughs> yeah, he could have just, he could have just <laughs> blown raspberries yeah. the whole time. Can a battery support wind farm? <laughs> Thank you. I reckon at the end of this interview, <laughs> hopefully that guy doing the interview was like, and that was that was Keith Pitt. I'm here on Sky News. Why am I here? What is? <laughs> what am I doing? Yeah, he just gets up, microphone still in, walks off. The camera pans around. He's just he's just around the backstage area. Like what? What am walks I off into the ocean? What? Yeah, just. Dude, you can leave at any time. You can leave at any time. Get a better job. <laughs> yeah, this is a shout out to is this Sky News reporter Tom Connell. Uh, I don't really know what we're shouting out. <laughs> that's that's who did Shout that. Out. Just <laughs> walk into the ocean, Tom McConnell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Isaac, fact-checking on whether he should walk into the ocean. Yes, he should. <laughs> Blink twice if you need help. Um, and so, okay. So, Keith Pitt um, has vetoed this exactly what we need thing. He vetoed it. Um, luckily, the Queensland government, uh, because state governments, it, it turns out, actually, like, are a bit answerable and kind of care on what happens in the country sometimes. Um, and the Queensland government stepped in and are like, look, fucking, I don't know what that was. We will get this built and we'll provide you with, you know, they've already uh, provided $40 million to get this project rolling and maybe they'll provide more as it goes along or that maybe they'll do a scaled down version. Um, so good on them. But uh, it's just the federal government at this point, I don't think is actually working for Australia. This is nothing new. We talk about this all the time, but it's like, you're meant to be overseeing and coordinating and helping out the country as a whole and leaving the states up to do the fiddly bits, but they're just- the states are having to do everything while the federal government is basically just the government for fossil fuels. That may as well be happening in Fiji. <laughs> like, I don't know. It boggles my mind. Yeah, they're, they're, they're not interested in governing or- None of them fundamentally believe in the idea of a society. They're right. like, I, an individual actor, have found myself in a position of power, and so it's my prerogative to use that power to do whatever the fuck I want. And there's no sense of obligation or duty or 
desire to create a better world or even a better Australia for the future or even the present or any of it. They're just like completely checked out. There's, there's no part of them. They seem to actively resent Australia and Australians and the people who represent them. Like, even state governments. They seem to hate the state governments. Even their own state governments. Mm. It's, it's wild. Oh, I kind of get it. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Dan Andrews and his prison expansion. Piss off. Yeah. <laughs> Mitch, Mitch has seen they live. Yeah, I mean, we hate the state governments as well. <laughs> yeah, but for the right reasons. <laughs> Who's tackling this one? McLean? McLean. You've got a vaccine. I know all about vaccines. <laughs> I, I got AstraZeneca yesterday. You've got lived experience. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the only person who's positioned to even speak to this. <laughs> I've got a bit sensitive skin this afternoon. Because <laughs> they injected that microchip, which is now giving you knowledge of all vaccines. <laughs> they injected the microscope, so now all your white blood cells can do the investigation on their own the and vaccine, find the coronavirus and kill the it. The vaccine isn't injecting a microchip into you. It's extracting the microchip that the MMR vaccine gives you. It's a very good thing and everyone should get it. It's a software update. Uh Yeah, it's a little patch. (laughs) McLean got patched against COVID. Just my drop rates have improved. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck. No, we can't. No. One segment where we don't derail. Please. (laughs) But my skin's sensitive, Mitch. I have to derail. (laughs) I got a vaccine yesterday because the federal vaccine rollout is a bunch of shit and they've fucked it up and... (laughs) <laughs> they don't know what they're doing and they don't care because that's the policy of every government move. Um, basically, the rollout was ostensibly meant to be we'll get all the frontline healthcare workers vaccinated and all like the very old and vulnerable people and, and all that sort of thing. And then we'll slowly expand that scope to include people who are sort of like more and more um, degrees of separation away from those vulnerable groups. Mm. Um, but as many of us are aware... The, the rate of uptake of vaccines has been phenomenally low. The distribution has been an absolute clusterfuck. Mm. We spoke about it a few episodes ago with like uh, vaccines being uh, announced to be available at places that hadn't been informed that they would be vaccine clinics or been given any vaccines and uh, really mixed messaging, especially considering there's like disparate messaging between like the federal government and the state governments and that sort of thing. The, the government is millions of vaccines short of its original targets and they keep revising those targets to be lower and lower and still being like, oh, we're, we're hitting record levels of vaccine rollouts. Like this time last year, we distributed zero coronavirus vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> like- our, our vaccine rollout is so much better year on year if you look at the figures from 2017-18. Yeah, it is the, it it's is just Frydenberg rolling the economy argument out. Fastest vaccine rollout in Australian history. And um. for, for COVID, at least. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, people like Greg Hunt and stuff seem to be very proud of it because the government will not acknowledge failure or wrongdoing ever. Uh, but the case is only 25% of aged care workers and 4% of people in disability care facilities have received a vaccine. These are all people who are meant to be in the first priority phase of the rollout and they should have got the vaccine Fuck. months ago. God. But <laughs> there's so many details of this, but the... the the, the bold text is they fucked it up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, it, it really seems like, from what I've been reading, the the vaccine has not gotten to the people who desperately want or need it, like aged care workers and residents, and there's way too much of it in the places where we don't really need it as a priority yet, or where people don't seem to care that much, like the big yeah. vaccine pop-up hubs or whatever. Yeah, I mean, that's why I got vaccinated, is because the exhibition building in Melbourne is a big pop-up vaccination centre that <laughs> has been reported to be incredibly under-attended. There was one nurse who was like, yeah, I gave one vaccine in the eight hours that we were open mm. for today. And Fuck they mate. have started just accepting walk-ins who don't even qualify for the, the vaccine schedule. I, myself, if you sort of, depending on how you interpret it, phase 1B could justify b- b- being on the thing. Even the health department has said they're comfortable now with people, younger people, getting vaccinated earlier if those vaccines are otherwise going to waste, which is what's happening. Like, I, I don't know how, you know, day by day this is going to hold up. But if you go to the exhibition building, you can just get a vaccine. McLean here recording from the Tuesday instead of the Sunday. Wow, day by day, this did not hold up. 
at all. Uh, so uh, the, there's a spike in people going to the exhibition building to try and get a vaccine. And in response to that, they were like, no, you, you do actually have to be part of the original vaccine rollout schedule to get the vaccine. And they started turning people away. But the good news is they started turning people away because they were using all of the vaccine that they'd been allocated for that day. So there's still kind of a thing now of like, if you do go there at the end of the day, maybe if they have spares, you might get a vaccine. Luckily at this point, we're used to massive question marks hanging over the rollout of the vaccine. Huzzah. Um, so uh, who, who fucking knows? Who knows? Hopefully in 12 weeks, I'll be eligible to get my second shot. And hopefully in, you know, very soon you guys are all eligible to get your first or, you know, I just hope that everybody gets the vaccine. Anyway, that's the sort of new situation now. Uh, everything's massively, you know, chaotic and changed. Um, but at the very least, you can enjoy the rest of this segment with a delicious layer of dramatic irony. I didn't even know that there was a pop-up vaccine hub there. I didn't even know vaccines were available here. There has been no advertising or media or I haven't got a fucking text message. What is... This is meant to be the biggest, fastest vaccine rollout in Australian history. And I see more media about, I don't know, new Hungry Jack's burgers. Yeah, I was going to say, you don't really watch TV much. Like, so, like, <laughs> What's in, an ad that I've seen? Yeah, so I think, but that does speak to the failing of the fact that the federal government should be getting it in your fucking face and letting you know yeah. exactly what the Put goal is. Put it on a is. tram. Like, no, instead, it's, instead, I know about The Bachelorette for some reason. <laughs> I don't fucking watch TV. And I know more about The Fucking Bachelorette this season than anything about the scheduling for vaccines, except that I know people can just get them. Hey, McLean here. Uh, Mitch is wrong. You can't. I'm sorry. I won't do this every time. That I know people can just get them. Like, just on Twitter, people just like, I just got jabbed. Yeah. I, I don't like I the word jab. I'm calling the vaccine the jab. It feels, I, I don't know how to justify this, but like right wing? Am no, I wrong? I, I agree. Uh, the vaccine vaccine coverage in the media is notoriously bad. Um, and you might have noticed that even in newspaper articles that are positive about the vaccine, in left wing newspapers, it's always like a crying baby or a big needle or yeah. all of these pictures, yeah. which- <laughs> That's good, because I hate yeah, babies. Yeah, yeah. All these pictures, which like, <laughs> vaccines are scary and bad, but you probably should. Like, which is exactly the kind of messaging you don't want if you have a population prone to anti-vaxxness or being hesitant about vaccines. What you want is like, happy person with Band-Aid. Playing children without malaria. Like, that kind of stuff. <laughs> you want a big- To me- Like, old Soviet-style poster saying, do your duty. Get the vaccination, <laughs> protect your fellow, you know, patriots. I don't Make know. Make the sacrifice. I mean, it's for me, I, I don't know. It's for me, like, the jab, quote unquote, just sounds ocker. And it just reminds me, like, of my dad explaining to me when I was a little kid of just, like, yeah, you got to be tough. And it's, you know, tough to get okay. it. And I think, like, that's that's inherently right wing to a degree. But it just <laughs> sounds like just ocker in the same way that we shorten everything as much as we can. Like, vaccine, a vacca, nah, it doesn't work. Jab. Get a jab. Uh, it sounds violent. I mean, and there was a, it was a, there was one satire site that did this one rollout, which actually I didn't like, but it seemed to get some pretty good traction where they were just sort of like, it might have been, fuck, it might have been crikey even. Regardless, some place was running this whole like, you know, no jab, no slab. Yeah. And like, you can't get a beer if you don't get the vaccine. There was a couple others too. No shot, no pot or something. Yeah, it was kind of, it was a bunch of things, but it all used jab and it was um, really no, like, like no jab, the, no tab. You've got the, the two different bars. <laughs> one's like no shot, no pot and one's like no jab, no slab. <laughs> like one of these represents a much bigger amount of alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> I th the one I did like too was, uh, I think it was no jab, no tab, but it was like, octogenarians in race out for like in uh, like going to the races these really old women done up but that's not what happens at the TAB guys we know the type of people that go there for horse racing bets <laughs> but yeah it was this appeal to ockerism of just like if you don't get a jab you can't do the fun shit you like I think that's why I read jab as right wing is because I'm only seeing it in like headlines in yeah. newspapers where it's like clearly somebody who's like who, who does not speak ockily, being like, I'm going to call it the jab so that I appear relatable, you know? Also, it is the same. It's the same headlines. Like, you see one one day that says, you know, get the jab. And then the next one, the other day is like, Albo's a commie. Yeah. So, it, it, it does sort of- You're just conditioned to look at that part of Woolworths as you walk out and be like, right wing. Yeah. That's a good point that you make there, though, Lang, a little while ago about how the, the, the media about, like, it's a crying baby and it's a sharp needle. I, I take it all back. I don't have any side effects today. I'm feeling amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, uh, you're allowed to report side effects and stuff, but it's this—it's this 
go to imagery. And it's the same mm. thing I see where people talk about, oh, no, climate change is going to create unseasonably hot weather. There's always, like, people frolicking on the beach. Um, and the media is always like, oh, get ready to have fun in the sun as climate change devastates yeah, natural yeah. seasonal patterns. It's always a low sunset and then people at the beach to describe, like, sweltering weather. And it's like, that seems fucking great. Yeah. They got out of work early. It, it's a gorgeous sunset. The diffused fossil fuels in the air are actually making it look fucking mm-hmm. gorgeous. It's like, no, <laughs> show people just like, yeah, sweltering and falling dead. Might get the, the way you report things is so important. Like you have a bunch of young white guys involved in, I don't know, gang warfare. And it's always like lads with sunnies on having a great time. Keep an eye out for <laughs> sick burnouts. Uh, the, boys the boys are back in town. Doing hate crimes with the boys. <laughs> But then, you know, you've got one Indian person who's accidentally gotten COVID from the third job they work, and it's like, watch out for these enemies of the state. They're bringing COVID in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't need to tell you guys. The media isn't great. <laughs> it's not great. I've heard. I've been listening to not good enough. <laughs> and it, look, and it's the same thing we keep seeing with the vaccine, where the media doesn't seem to have any concept that they might have a, a, a social responsibility. They happily go, oh, no, three people in the world have gotten blood clots from COVID, uh, from the vaccine. Or, oh, no, some people who got the vaccine have later developed COVID. But they don't present this uh, in any, like, responsible way with the context of statistics or with the idea that, Australia is a fucking conspiracy Pete Evans shit show. And if you give people reason to doubt this vaccine when they're already like, we've, it's already hard to get the vaccine and we're already fucking up our whole rollout of everything. Like, maybe then the next week when you say, why aren't people getting the vaccine? You should look in the mirror. Yeah, it's the case that the media has been so shit in Australia, generally speaking, for so long that it has also translated into most of the population have really bad media literacy. And so the idea that you can just, like, report the bare facts of a thing without sort of thinking about, like, how is this going to land is not neutral reporting. Like, I I think that there's this thing of, like, like, it is responsible to report that the AstraZeneca vaccine has this, like, vanishingly rare but still present chance of having a really, really bad side effect. And so we do need to talk about that. And the idea that if you, in that article, add a couple paragraphs saying, but the risk of death of a COVID outbreak in Australia is so much higher than, like, the the, the risk of the AstraZeneca side effects. Like, the, the, the amount of death that we would see if people avoid the vaccine compared to if people get it is way, way lower, is so much lower even factoring in the 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 potential side effect, mm. that paragraph would then represent like, oh, now we're pushing an agenda in 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 our publication. It's like, yeah, you're pushing an agenda of people staying alive. You're pushing an agenda of mm. actually fighting against the pandemic. That's a fine agenda to push. Don't embrace neutrality. Push the agenda of life, please. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, <laughs> a lot of the media might look at a vaccine rollout and say, you know, of 10 million cases there have been, you know, four who've developed blood clots. What is the angle of the story here? And they go up top, big letters, front page, three people die from vaccine. Um, Mm. But what they could say is AstraZeneca vaccine safest ever invented. Um, And then down (laughs) near the end, there have been some incidences of blood clots, which have happened slightly above background levels. Um, So keep that in mind if you have that kind of a condition. You know, this might not be right for you. Ask your doctor. I read somewhere that it has less chance. You have a less chance of getting blood clots with like the AstraZeneca vaccine than you do uh, a type of flu shot. Hmm. Or and I mean, like we all know the one about also like the pill hmm. as well. You have a higher chance of developing blood clots for it's, that. It's like, sort of an interesting one. Like the, uh, the, my understanding is that the pill has a higher chance of developing blood clots, but the way that that side effect manifests is more dangerous from the AstraZeneca vaccine side hmm. effect. Um, so I, I don't think it's quite a slam dunk, and I do agree that it's like. If you're providing a medication to somebody, it should come with a warning of the risks. Yeah. But the reporting of those risks need to be put in context. And mm. that's what I'm seeing that I, I'm not seeing that happen enough, I think. And by that, I mean any mm-hmm. reporting on the <coughs> side effects or risks or whatever of the vaccines should include that context. But what you are seeing is reports about how the majority of Australians don't, aren't, they don't want to get vaccinated at all. Ah, we've got stats on it. 
and stuff. Um, Sydney Morning Herald uh, had a headline. Almost one third of adult Australians say they're unlikely to get COVID vaccination from a, from a survey that they did. And that sounds pretty bad. That sounds like, you know, oh, we're, we're an entirely um, anti-vax nation. And as a bunch of people, especially health nerd on Twitter have pointed out, no, <laughs> the, the way the questions were asked, especially being like the likelihood to get vaccinated... Uh, like if I, uh, we were just talking about how I don't even know if and when I can get a vaccine. So if someone asked me, what do you think the likelihood of you getting vaccinated is? I'm going to go fucking low. Mm. And that's not my fault or point. That's not my problem. Like I want mm. one. Yeah. It's like uh, people are feeling really pessimistic about the vaccine rollout. It's like, oh, it sounds like people are really scared of the vaccines. Not really. <laughs> yeah. Actually, kind of would really, really like one, but I'm going to be honest when I say the, the likelihood of getting vaccinated. It's just such a tricky way of doing it too, because if you ask what's the likelihood to get vaccinated and is it not at all likely, then you, again, don't embrace neutrality. There's, there's no way to just report that that isn't going to be taking some sort of side in a considered way. You are going to frame the results of that data in a way that you see fit. So, of course, they're going to try and spin it in a way that gives cover for the Liberal Party. That's their whole fucking point. I really think so many newspaper journalists have the vibe that they're reporting and being read by someone other than the population they're reporting on. Like, they're doing a paper that's just going to be read by other journalists living on another planet about <laughs> about what's happening on Earth. Because there seems to be this total lack of awareness that the things they report on are themselves a thing that happens on Earth and does influence other stuff. Yeah, it's it's the same point about journalistic neutrality. Like that, you you're part of it, <laughs> and, it and it's the same with politics, where there's this constant reporting on. Oh, there's a lot of interesting spin happening here. How's Scott Morrison going to get away with this one? Let's see how the voters decide. No, no, no you you're talking to the voters. <laughs> the voter is reading this. Yeah. Tell the voter what what the information is. <laughs> how are we going to let Scott Morrison spin this? Yeah. What? I'm sorry. It's nothing. <laughs> it's, it's madness. Like, who do you think that? Where do you think the spin is happening? If not in the newspaper that you write for? Yeah, the paragraph that you just wrote is the spin. <laughs> no, it's certainly not just coming from us repeating the talking points verbatim without questioning them critically at all. Not us. No. We're not contributing to spin. It's bloody Morrison. Look, he keep- <laughs> Morrison's keep keeps sneaking in these paragraphs in our newspapers. How does he do it? <laughs> I'd hate to publish his words verbatim, but he keeps sending me these press releases. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> That's the guy with all the limes, but it's press releases. <laughs> ah, they just keep oh, falling no. into the printer copier. <laughs> no. <laughs> Oopsie daisy. <laughs> we at Not Good Enough are, are very clear that we are trying to tell you what to believe. Yeah. <laughs> right now you're listening to propaganda because <laughs> you always are. There's no way to not. Fucking go out in a park in the middle of a beautiful, quiet day. You hear a bird singing in a tree. It's propaganda to fuck that bird. Yeah. <laughs> it's not wrong. <laughs> We've got big wins. Big wins. It's nice to talk about big wins. Yeah. <sighs> big wins today. Deliveroo lost. Yeah. <laughs> Suck <laughs> shit. Deliveroo lost a major fair work case where basically they kicked a driver off of their app uh, saying, oh, look, you know, usual argument. He's not one of our employees. He's just a contractor. We're not giving him a job. We're just providing his freelance work with some opportunities. <laughs> We're just like a cool connection maker. <sighs> and uh, they kicked him off the app. Uh, without you know any uh, you know watchmaker without sufficient notice or remuneration and that sort of thing, and he took them to the Fair Work Commission to say no, <laughs> I am your employee and you fired me, and that should come with the you know rules and regulations around that, and the Fair Work Commission held that decision up. Yeah, the, the, they yes. they were like yeah, Deliveroo drivers are employees of Deliveroo. They're not contractors. So mm. this this is a, a fantastic precedent. Uh, for the rights of, of uh, rideshare workers and, and the sort of gig economy stuff. Um, so, we just love to see it. Yeah, this is such a yeah, big it's fucking awesome. Um, so, a specific shout out to the man in question, Diego Franco, and uh, another shout out to the Transport Workers Union uh, who were helping him out. So, this is uh, just another case again of unions get results and 
with any luck, you know, best hope, this turns into a lot more results for rideshare drivers uh, just across the board. This to me is really, again, I mentioned a lot when unions come up, but it's invigorating to me because the whole thing that's come out with, you know, like the uh, the gig economy and apps and so the things like, you know, Uber Eats and Deliveroo and then also things like Airbnb and uh, all of these things that sort of got around worker protection were designers like, oh, they're, they're, you know, they're transforming the economy and how we do work, which was always code for, holy <laughs> shit, we can fuck workers super hard and make a bunch of money off of this and the laws haven't kept up. Labor laws don't apply to us. We're an app. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so, like, with Deliveroo and Uber Eats and shit like that, it, well, it was pretty much what McLean just said legally. They were just sort of like, nah, we just hook people up and they're their own boss. And, hey, isn't that cool? You can be your own boss and set your own hours and do your own shit. And so, for a court to actually go, no, hold the fuck up, what the Transport Workers Union have made a really good case for you being their employee, or employer rather, um, like, that is really cool to me because it shows that workers can fight and they can reinstate things that we all know they should have had. That's the cool thing about it. It's not like, you know, they juke left and so the workers' union have to sort of like figure out this other way to go around it. We're trying to head them off at the pass and do things. If we fight hard enough against this really obvious overreach by these fucking companies, we can take them to court and the systems that we have in place already that unions have <clears throat> fought for can still hold up. We can still go, yeah. no, if I'm a fucking worker, I have certain inalienable fucking rights and you will uphold them. Yeah. The minimum wage applies to me as well. Exactly. It's in everything. Like it's it, it and and again and then to go broader with it as well. It's so fucking cool to see the solidarity in action with this. Like different workers in all these different industries have these rights, and so for the transport workers union to go, no, we don't just look after you know truckies and distribution mm. lines. We look after fucking Deliveroo riders. Mm. So Deliveroo fix your shit is so fucking cool because like you know uh, Diego Franco and these other people that are involved in these protests have now got results they're not ever going to think that unions suck ever mm. again yeah they're now they're fucking deep in it and they have seen the results that they can get and that's only going to build more solidarity it will result in more wins like this mm. it's really good and like none of us work in any of these kind of gig economy apps but we all use them here and there like if i want to get across town or I want to get some food and I don't have any other better options and the, you know, transport isn't running or whatever. I might have to use one of these apps and I don't like doing that because I know that they're underpaid or often it's, it's insecure work. And if we can get these friggin' apps to be forced to give people like basic employee rights, that makes my life a bit better too, because now yeah. I can order a pizza without <laughs> feeling bad about it. Or I can get in an Uber and know that the guy driving me like isn't having to go to three other jobs and worry that if he dings his car, he's on the hook and doesn't have a job anymore. Like, I don't like to be to, to, to buy well, things off people who are being treated bad because of the system we live in. It's so hard to, because, like, I always try to go directly to mm. a restaurant's website if I'm trying to order, and a lot of them don't yeah. even have the system set up to do it themselves, so you're fucking stuck. Because the apps have yeah. undercut them. It's- yeah, it's- yeah. Be by exploiting workers! What a shock! This is what I was talking about last episode, uh, of the, the fact that when the condition of somebody who's more vulnerable than you improves- you benefit. You yeah. live in a better society when that happens. And when somebody who's in a more vulnerable position than you loses standing mm. or, or, you know, or benefits or anything that is, is helping them, you, even if you're not directly impacted by that, now live in a society that has more suffering, that has more poverty, that, like, everything that happens to people more vulnerable than you still affects you. Yeah. And uh, nobody's an island. This is this the, the thing that benefits the poor benefits the rich as well and it's, there's just a lot of rich people who are like oh it doesn't benefit me my taxes blah 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 I'm like fuck you that's all that's all i got big wins today fuck you <laughs> it's the opposite of of the mythical trickle down effect it's it's like maybe maybe there is a name for it maybe we need to come up with one but it's like a crumble down effect where if the poorest person or someone on unemployment like suffers more 
the person slightly above them is now in a more precarious position because now they're more liable to fall down a little bit into that bad position. And now the person above them. And then it goes all the way up to suddenly you're living yeah. in a society where more people are more desperate. There's more crime. There's more social problems. Everything has gotten subtly a little bit worse because that person at the very bottom of the ladder has had a worse time. That's that's just actually trickle-down economics. <laughs> <laughs> a rising tide lifts all boats is... It's just a saying and it's real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In similar news, a uh, shout-out to the unionization effort that's going on at Sydney Bookstore Better Red Than Dead. Uh, they have just got management to agree to enter collective bargaining with them, which is phenomenal result after their management have basically been threatening to terminate the workers who are trying to unionize and, you know, slinging legal documents at them and and threatening them with a lawsuit and that sort of thing. So, this is just massive progress. So, I just wanted to say congratulations and solidarity and shout out to the folk at Better Red Than Dead. Uh, This is sort of coming on the heels of the uh, efforts to unionize at the Reading's bookshop. Uh, The Reading's? Anyway, the the, you know, the 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 famous Melbourne bookshop that I don't know how to pronounce. Yeah, it's so name. famous. Readings. It is famous. I just don't know how to say it because it's science. It's is famous. Written. It is readings. It's yeah. It's I like it. It's it's uh, it's so, it's famous. But like a lot of good books, you've never had to say anything. <laughs> <Yeah. about now. laughs> anyway, shouts out to the onionization effort at. Uh, <laughs> 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 ah, delightfully stupid. Uh, God bless. You should go on Sky News and defend some stuff for the Liberal Party. <laughs> I, d- I just want to point out something a little bit strange there. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. The bookshop that is engaging in anti-union efforts is called Better Red mm. Than Dead. Yes. Which- Because it's R-E-A-D. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> but, but that's like a communist <laughs> slogan. That's the worst name for a bloody- Yeah, but it's a- Bootlicking bookshop. <laughs> have you, is that the first time you guys have like clicked with? No, that? that's the first time I've heard the name of this bookshop. Yeah, I didn't know this was a bookshop oh, right. until I read oh, about were- the unionization win. I'm from. I'm a <laughs> Reddings man. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's it, it's. It's just, yeah, it's it's one of those funny instances of just like, I don't know where I've heard this saying before. I have no idea what the context is, but I can make it a pun for my shop. Yeah. Sick. Lock it in. Better rare. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who knows? Maybe the person who named it wasn't like a Pinkerton when they first started the thing. But <laughs> now, a few years on, they're like, oh, I'm a small business owner. <laughs> I have to control my workers more than I have to. <laughs> small business owner halfway up a tree trying to saw the trunk below him. Ha <laughs> ha, fuck the bottom of the trunk. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to shout out one other win that happened recently. We called it out on the pod, but there was a petition going around started by the PTAA and the ATG, which are the two peak bodies in Australia to help tattooists. Uh, the Queensland state government was trying to ram through some amendments related to tattoo inks that were just dreadful absolutely would not be able to be enforced by tattooists, which would mean just very integral inks. If you don't know tattooists use inks, it's very important that they get them. (laughs) Um, And it was essentially going to cut them off from being able to do their job properly. And the- the uh, One thing that's always good for a society is uh, sort of shunting tattooists into an unregulated black market. I think that always turns out well. The fucking tattoo industry has been- crawling out of the fucking hole for decades and is trying so hard to be a legitimate industry and the only thing holding it back is the state and federal government refusing to recognise it as such. It's fucking abysmal. Anyway, (laughs) they do such good work around the fucking governments, um, but the PTAA and the ATG had this petition going, save the inks, and the Queensland state government this week saw the 45,000 signatures that they got and the crikey articles and everything and they said that they will be removing the proposed amendments about these inks and will actually be consulting with the people that know what the fuck they're doing, which is fantastic. It is such a good win. It's so close to a union win. It's it's the Guild, the Australian Tattooers Guild and the Professional Tattooing Association of Australia. It's uh, uh, sort of like, I I want the union in the title, but otherwise it's really fucking cool. (laughs) Um, And again, it just shows that you can achieve things through organising and through getting people, you know, engaged with things because a fucking lot of people have tattoos these days. They're not like they were in the 70s where it was, you know, the, the dregs of society. 
tattooing is a legitimate fucking trade. It should be considered a normal trade. But as usual, especially the Queensland state government, love putting the screws in on these industries first, and then they can just broaden them out to industries that they think people will care about. Well, it turns out, Lots of people love get, getting fucking tattoos, and they love their tattoos. Yeah. And <laughs> the government didn't consider that some of their populace was cool. <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah, so it's a massive fucking win, and I'm really happy to say it. Yeah, this is great. Actions this week. If it's not abundantly fucking clear, get a tattoo. Join oh. your goddamn union. <laughs> <laughs> get a tattoo of your union. I think that's mm. the message. Yeah. Um, Get it. Join your trade union. If you're a renter, join Rahu. If you are unemployed or you know people that are unemployed or you're worried about being unemployed or you think unemployed people should be taken care of much better than the government does, join the Australian Unemployed Workers Union. There is solidarity payments you can make for it. Join the unions. Um, get a vaccine, and while you're at it, get some like get them to put some ink in there, give you a little tattoo, get the jab. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That, like that works, right? I figure that works. You get a little tattoo to show that you've been vaccinated. <laughs> yep. Get a microchip. <laughs> Stop listening to the pod. Let us let us leave. <laughs> yeah, we're just hungover. <laughs> you hungover, Mitch. How did you know? Thanks again for listening to another episode of Not Good Enough. You can get in touch with us on the socials at NotGoodPod and you can email us notgoodpod at protonmail.com and not only can you, but you should because we really love hearing from you. In fact, it's mandatory. Yeah, you're a scab if you don't get in touch. (laughs) (laughs) Not Good Enough was recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Uh, We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded.